Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Cinema Sommelier. I am Gary T. Moore. And I am Zachary Wasileski. And today we have a special guest, the Jazz Man. Hey everybody, it's uh, Brian Morgan, Brian Jazzman Morgan. And today we will be reviewing 1954's Alfred Hitchcock movie, Rear Window. Let's let's kick this off by going through what happens in this movie. So this movie is a classic Hitchcock thriller. So from the beginning, we cue into an apartment. We see Jeff sitting, broken leg, and he's just staring out his window. I could, I guess, end the movie description <laughs> right there if I really wanted to. A lot of this movie is, is just him looking out the window. Uh, obviously, there's a lot more depth to it than that, but... Yeah, so so Jeff, broken leg, he's got one week left until he gets his cast off and gets back to his photography career as a top photographer for a, a big magazine in New York. Yeah, any, anyone else have... Jeff, uh, of thoughts? course, is played by uh, Jimmy Stewart. Uh, I don't do a good Jimmy Stewart. I feel like I, don't I either. should. Jasmine, you did a pretty good Jimmy Stewart earlier. J- 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 Jimmy Stewart... Much like better than me, I feel. Much thing. better than me. <laughs> yeah, so basically, yeah, he's sitting at home, and, I mean, the plot is so simple. Like, like he, he's sitting at home, and he is wheelchair-bound, and he can't move, because uh, that's what wheelchair-bound means. Spoiler alert, BTW, for those of you who haven't seen a 65-year-old movie. And he sees some stuff go down, but we'll we'll, we'll get to that as we further the plot along, he just sees some stuff, you know, neighborhood goings on yeah. and stuff. Basically, the whole movie is just the voyeuristic view of Jeff from his apartment watching the lives of, what, five or, or six other groups of people in the apartment across the way. So Yes, it's like five or six, yeah. He watches dancing and, and loneliness and potentially a murder. The newlyweds who are just, just, I don't know if you can pick up this sound (laughs) the entire time. Just some ASMR. (laughs) Yeah, the guy just tries to get away, uh, just out the window to breathe for a minute a few times during the movie. And you just hear the wife call him back, uh, which I think is fantastic. I mean, go go him, you know? What else are we missing, Jasmine? This is a big movie for you. You've seen this countless times. Yeah, I've watched it a few times. I watched it. When I was in high school, I think for the first time, and it's a great film. You know, they they open with a really great shot. They do the classic like 1950s overture. You know, while they roll the credits at the start of the movie, it goes into this sort of this slow pan from top to bottom, the different apartment buildings, different shots of the, the various views from the open window. Right, it pans through the window and out into the courtyard. The music slowly finishes you know fades away and it moves into this this sort of soundscape i guess you would call it um that that sticks with it for the rest of the movie which is basically just the sounds from the other apartments which if you've lived in new york city in an apartment building that's what you're getting is is just the sounds of the city that's just kind of the atmosphere so it, he definitely sets up the setting um yeah. the, the, the whole plot yeah, yeah the he, he, he sets the whole places the setting really well and you really you're sort of like dropped into it right away which is is great um but i think 
it's a great opening opening shot opening like couple minutes to the film that that really just sort of like sets you gently down into the world and lets you go from there yeah that's true i i did i i did like that part a lot i liked how it was it's like this is what you're gonna get this is how we're gonna do it and that's all established in the first like three to five minutes of the movie and i think that's setting setting your expectations solid so i really like that part of the movie yeah i think it's also important to note the movie takes place it's i mean it says it's like a heat wave in new york so the whole thing really hinges on the fact that this heat wave heat wave is going on in new york so everyone's got their windows open open, all their blinds open trying to get some cool air in. if that doesn't exist this whole movie is just sort of obsolete people have their blinds closed the only couple that really has their blinds closed is the the newlywed couple and it's not that kind of movie, so they don't really care about how warm it is. Right? <laughs> exactly. I think the other great thing about this movie is it's all shot from one perspective, right? It, it, yeah, it never absolutely. changes scenes. It's all shot from looking out from the apartment, right? And you don't really n- notice that overtly as you're watching the film. It's just sort of the way it is. It, it really sets the movie through the eyes of the main character, Jeff. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Go ahead, Zach. I was gonna say it it has this claustrophobic feel to the movie because of that. Like you're, you're constantly viewing it from this one room the entire time, which I mean, absolutely beautiful. The whole film revolves around you just sort of being in that same perspective of Jeff feeling claustrophobic, feeling again, voyeuristic of just like what's going on in these other lives. Like you basically take his place and you're his, I guess, accomplice in, in the whole spying that he's taking on all of his neighbors, um, which is just a brilliant way to put you into that movie. So I, I completely agree. It's not inherently noticeable, but you can get that feel of like being trapped in a room as it's shot. And I, I thought another really cool factor of this movie was the fact that they made him a like a photojournalist, which at the time was like this very kind of newer thing that was like, it's like, oh, people don't get paid for taking pictures. You know what I'm saying? So like it was this really cool thing and he had some really cool shots that he had taken. And that's ultimately how he wound up in the wheelchair. But I like how they really played that. Cause honestly, without that element as well, then the film's just kind of about a creepy dude. Right. But he's allowed to, he's allowed to distance himself from what he's paying attention to. Right. With exception of the murder or whatever. Honestly, I thought one of the saddest parts was like Miss Lonely Heart. I was like, no, like her her entire journey was so incredibly sad and moving. I want to see a Miss Lonely Heart spinoff. <laughs> a Hitchcock Lonely Heart sequel. <laughs> exactly. Give me her story. Where was she at before the heat wave? And I, I think that I think that, that was a really cool thing because if it would have been just like he lives at home and he's a teacher or he's a mechanic or whatever, he would have been much more invested and involved and he would have, you know, his cover would have been blown or his voyeurism would have been exposed a lot earlier. And I think that that was the right call making him a photojournalist. And it also, it publicized a career that people didn't know about, which I thought was a really cool thing as well. Well, and he, as a character, as a uh, photojournalist views the world through a lens, right? Through a a telescope, through a, a camera, and that's sort of where the film starts off. He can't help himself. He's so bored. But then he ultimately gets sucked into his own. His voyeurism has has consequences in the end, which out in the field, you know, maybe doesn't 
isn't usually the case. You know, he he can distance himself because it's a job. But these in this in the movie, these are his neighbors, and you know, suddenly he's caught, and that's I don't know. I I agree. I like the I like how they've set it up with the character um, and his background as a photographer. You know, because that's how he he normally sees the world, and also it's it's also kind of like that maybe that's the way Hitchcock sort of views the world is through a lens as well. Um, and it, it, it kind of shows in this movie. Yeah. It, it's interesting to think of Jeff as Hitchcock because of like viewing through that like voyeuristic lens. Mm-hmm. But I, I got the same kind of vibe just of like us watching being Jeff as well of like, we are watching from his perspective, watching his neighbors in, and even watching him without him knowing like it's just like that weird dichotomy of a movie viewer getting that information but we're watching jeff get kind of like critiqued by his girlfriend and his nurse for watching other people but it's like we're kind of doing the same thing well i don't know they can't help help themselves either right like even the nurse and his girlfriend are really deep into it by the end of the movie yeah both both of them start by like hey stop doing that that's creepy and like his girlfriend Lisa, who Grace Kelly, by the way, mm. phenomenal. Um, Grace Kelly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, but she just kind of like shows up and is just like, no, don't look at them. Look at me. That is her role throughout the entire film. And then finally, she starts like getting deeper and like maybe maybe there was a murder over there. Like this I, is interesting. I, and then by the end of it, she's like, you know what? I'm just gonna go break into this guy's apartment. <laughs> yes, I think exactly. yeah, I think she probably had the biggest character arc of the entire movie right Mm -hmm. because at first she's all like eleven hundred dollar dresses which you know as as we've learned was more than the the dancer lady got paid the entire film (laughs) so like uh, it was like eleven hundred dollar dresses and like "Mm, i got you dinner from this place and and jimmy was like well i don't know if i can marry her because i'm too ordinary and she she makes him a lobster dinner a lobster right? like who just comes right. over and just like i got a lobster dinner for you like that's ridiculous and she got the guy she got doordash in 1956 <laughs> and she was like she, she was like oh no i i got the waiter from the place and uh which i thought was just this cool like power of money thing and uh yeah it she has the biggest character because like without her nothing would have you know been solved been been fixed right However, without her, uh, as we were talking about earlier, viewing at a, at a distance through the lens, without her, Jimmy Stewart's character wouldn't have been caught. Because she's the one that's like, hey, got this ring. She's dead. And that's when the guy's like, oh, follow the ring to where he's looking. Boom. Locked eyes, which was a really cool shot as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, she's very helpful, but it's also her fault that Jimmy Stewart got caught. And then that's, she went to prison. So, it But it's, it's also her reward for doing all that, that the bad guy got caught at the same time. Like it, probably he would have gotten away with it because nobody else was paying attention to, to Jeff's remarks. The detective was researching it and was like, no, you're definitely wrong. Like everyone was just like, he didn't murder anybody. And it wasn't until like she went that extra step to, to really prove that, yes, she's dead. Which finding a wedding ring feels to me like 
not really proof <laughs> that she's dead, but it's the fifties. Who knows? You want to find the, the bloody whatever. Exactly. Or the... Well, she was like, she was like, well, I know she's a woman like me. So exactly. I know that she would never leave her jewels behind, which is so 1950s. The, the, yeah. The gender roles in this movie were very, <laughs> very, horrible. you know, especially like Jimmy Stewart's character was like, you know, you're too fancy for me. You can never have adventure. We can't get married. And then she's like, oh, well, I'll prove you wrong. You know, climbs fire escape, jumps in through window. And then at the end, spoiler alert, they're happy couple or whatever, you know? And I'm just like, ah, that annoys me a little bit, but I understand it. I'll I'll take a step back. Okay. I think that story arc of their relationship, like, again, it starts at the beginning where she literally, from the moment she walks on screen, she's like, hey, look at me and my... $1,100 dresses stop looking at the window like that goes on for probably the first 30 minutes it it might be a little bit too long in my opinion of like them trying to like figure out what the relationship is going to be him saying like I don't like you but eventually (laughs) when when she starts getting involved in this murder that's going on across or the murder that happened across the street I think him starting to view her like him viewing her while she's out digging through the flowers to figure out what was in there and her climbing the fire escape as he's watching that from his photographic like perspective I think that's when he starts realizing she's able to do like I I had these assumptions of her as this like pretty not gonna get dirty and and in the weeds and she does it and he's like oh she's actually exactly what I'm looking for so like I think her her character arc proves that they can be together by the end she comes into focus. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, Thank snap. you. Okay. Oh, I'll, snap. I'll see myself out right now. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here all week. All right. See us next time. All right. We're, yep. we're done. Uh, thanks guys. Uh, for cinema sommelier. No, um, no, I agree. Yeah. I, I, I can see that as well. It was just, to me, the movie was a bit drawn out. It was just like, Oh, okay. And then like how they, they kind of rushed the last like 30 minutes. The last 30 minutes was like, boom 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 like everything's happening which is fine but it it didn't for me it didn't give me the like the the resolution the absolution that i needed because it seemed more like oh she can climb a window Mm, we're married you know that's what it seemed like to me it's definitely i feel like these these older movies had a different pace than you would find today True. no of course take it with a grain of salt it it is 1954 like Mm -hmm. we talk about the the gender roles and everything that happened in this movie. Like it, it was a different time. And back then it, it was a norm, but obviously looking at it today, it doesn't age well to that perspective. Sure. It, it definitely doesn't have the pace you'd find today, but Hitchcock, at, at least at the time. And I think still today was like the master of suspense True. and like the, you know, and the, the sort of the thriller. Right. And I think there's, maybe part of what you're feeling is he just leans into that tension for longer than you think for like an hour and 52 minutes, I think. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But that's sort of the longer he sits on it, the more it builds. Right. True, so it's, true, true, it's true. sort of like having watched a couple of his other films, I would say they, they tend to have the same sort of pace, right? Like it, it seems to really, really stretch out um, until you get, the final climax, right. Which in, in this movie is, is that scene in the dark apartment, you know, towards the end. And, and then it, it just sort of, it's really at a height for like, I don't know, five minutes or so, but 
I'm not sure it would have the same effect if he didn't take his time, you know, True. running up to it. But I completely agree. I for a, a 1950s movie, and I wasn't I wasn't expecting to be wowed by it. And this is coming from somebody I just greatly enjoy new age movies. They've come a long way in the 60 mm. something years since the 50s. But the suspense got to me at the end. I was really just like. I really don't know what's going to happen. There's things when, when she's digging and trying to find the, the wedding ring true, in the apartment. True. That stress, like I could absolutely feel it. It'd be like, please get out of there. Like, what mm-hmm. are you still doing in that apartment? That was partly because Jeff was like supposed to keep watch and he's just lollygagging and looking at Mrs. Lonely Heart and all these other things. But like, that's still watching it. I'm just like, Get her out. Tell her to I, leave now. I did yell at the TV. I yelled at the TV yeah, last night. You want to yell? <laughs> He's coming. He's coming down the hallway. He's coming right now, guys. He's coming. But you know, besides that, besides all of the the how the film might have aged, which I still I will say it aged pretty well. Um, besides, you know, like the gender norms and all that kind of stuff. As a film, it was made very very well. I think there's there's elements in that movie that absolutely one hundred percent worked. Some amazing shots that you don't really see today uh, because filmmaking has changed sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. One shot in particular, uh, well, two shots. I love it when the murderer's apartment is dark and all you see is the light from a cigar. I think that's great. That's such like an I'm here thing. Like I thought, ah, it's so good. Cause it's just like one small thing and just playing with the lighting or lack of lighting is beautiful. And the other one, it it's right. I don't remember exactly when. I think it is when either the killer enters the apartment or the killer is about to go from the apartment. You just see his reflection in a window outside. And I'm just like, was that an accident? Was that done on purpose? Like, that's such a, that's such an evolved shot. Like, it's so good um, because it plays with so many different elements. And you're just, I'm just, I was like, whoa, okay. Well, and he's using the sound as well a lot. Like, in that in that scene when Thorwald's coming up the stairs, right? He turns the light out. You can before that, Jimmy Stewart's character is, is like looking around. What am I going to do? Can I get to the door and lock it in time? What can I use to defend myself? You know, and you can hear everything else in the courtyard has gone quiet. It's late at night, you know, and, and all the ambient noise is gone. It's it's just his breathing and footsteps coming up the stairs, you know. And he gets to the top. He's you hear the footsteps stop. And suddenly the light underneath the door coming from the hallway gets turned out, goes out, you know, and now you're hearing him come down the hallway and, and it's just, it really, really just the use that, that whole construction, like let's take out the rest of the sound so that all all you're hearing is essentially your own breathing, right? You're hearing Jimmy Stewart sweat, right? But it's you sweating in your seat and and breathing. You're like, what's going to happen? You can hear the tension, you know, and these footsteps approaching and it's just wonderfully crafted. Yeah. It's the, it's that intensity. And, and uh, Chris Nolan used the same thing for uh, the dark Knight rises for the Batman Bane fight. And it cuts out all the music, all the score, everything. And it's just two men beating each other. And I think that for for really tense moments i think that that works perfectly because you don't need anything like a great score is is awesome and jazz man you're the jazz man uh i think you out of all of us would appreciate a great score the most but i think with some sometimes it just works to cut out everything and and that is a moment in this film where it really really did work yeah 
It's interesting that this movie didn't have a score. I think he, the composer, right, what wrote one or two songs basically to bring the movie in and take it out. And, the, and you out, hear yeah. some numbers from like people's turntables, you know, coming up the different apartments, you know, different like um, pop hits of the time. And with the piano for player. the most part, there's there's nothing driving it. It's all ambient noise. Which is, it's just but I think that so that kind of makes it right. Like you mm-hmm. wouldn't expect to get one thematic score if you're watching a myriad of different people all live their lives, right? Yeah. Everyone's going to have their own specific nuances, right? Like, obviously, there's the, the composer and the, the piano songs that he's playing throughout it. And like that adds a little bit of, of flair. But for the most part, I, I sort of expect that that ambient noise would be there on a daily basis. It would seem really out of place, right? If you had a exactly. normal movie score and, you know, like, especially for the tension moments like if there were like strings driving it in the background it just wouldn't it would take you bring you out of the moment right yeah. bring you out of the character he's i really feel like this movie hitchcock is trying to make you the the main character right absolutely the way the way it's shot and the way you're viewing the courtyard and to have if you were to drop um especially from that era that sort of movie score it just wouldn't have the magic that it has you know Agree. Yeah, it's so interesting. You know, a lot of movies from that era are based solely on like how they sound, and even Hitchcock. Hitchcock, as a person, as a as a person, as a director, has his own little like signature sound. Um, mm-hmm. And we can enter it here. I'll let that happen if it can happen in post, <laughs> uh, or it'll just be it. <laughs> <laughs> a three second an awkward spot. pause <laughs> yeah just an awkward pause um and yeah so the use of sound i i mean i think he used it beautifully even when he didn't use it like i think that's that's something really cool that i didn't really think about until jazz man i, I think Zach mentioned it hitchcock has his autograph in every single movie that he ever makes like there are a lot of similar things like he he has his niche and he just sticks to it in all of his movies. Like he's always got the atomic blonde as one of the the lead women. He's got this like everyday man as like a main character. He often has like stairs in his movie and people falling off of things and, and dying. Like there's a lot of things that are just recurring in his movies. And, and going to that last one, I think going towards the end, the struggle between Thorwald and Jeff in the end kind of lets me down like I'll, I'll give a positive and a negative um i'll go with the negative first for now when he's when thorwald is approaching jeff in that apartment he walks in it's dark jeff has this whole plan of like i'm just gonna use my flash on my camera which i'm not a photographer or a filmmaker or anything i don't know how bright those flashes are i'm sure it will stun you for a second or two he does it to him like five yeah. times. You think <laughs> after the first down. one, he'd, he'd cover his eyes yeah. or something. I mean, the guy's in a wheelchair. <laughs> He's not going anywhere. He's staying yeah. in the exact same place. Just walk in a straight line and you'll find him. So that is my one critique. I'm like, it kind of took me out of that last scene. But then going into like the falling, like a thematic Hitchcock always has a main character, like fall from some height and die. Like it happens in a number of his movies. So that ending window scene kind of throughout the movie is Jeff, this good guy, bad guy. He's like a dark soul, but also you kind of like relate to him and you cheer for him at times. 
So when he's like hanging out of the window, it's like, is Hitchcock going to kill this guy at the end of his right, movie? Like, right. I was really like, I, I don't know. Like, it doesn't seem like that far of a height, but I really wasn't going to put it past him of like, let's just kill a character at the end and like have it do one big twist. So I, I greatly enjoyed that sort of tense moment because I, I really thought he was going to die. I, I think they just did the, the photo scene 1100 times because of the fact like of the the effect it did with the camera yeah, like you true. were finally viewing it from from what's his name thurwald's Thurwald, yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you're finally viewing it from his eyes uh and then like the cool like little the whatever red like red lens thing, thing that they yeah. did i thought that was neat definitely special, overdone high-end I, special effects of the day you know <laughs> absolutely i think twice would have been okay uh-huh. uh but yeah, just like they wanted to get their budgets worth, maybe. I guess so. It's like we got we got six light bulbs. Let's use them. I really wish. Uh, I really wish they could reshoot the fall mm. because talk about moments that took you out. It's like the only funny. like automated. It doesn't for you. No, 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 no. It's it's funny. It, it was funny because how do they do it? It's just like a still picture that there's shrinking right on the on the film or something like that like i think so some sort of like animation and they sort of twist it a little bit i mean it's like it's It's, all they could really do back i understand but (laughs) but it is funny you know it's it's from a 21st century perspective when you're used to seeing specially animated what's disney calling them now live action remakes i mean they're computer animated but they look so real yeah 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 yeah. or even like even like stuntman or whatever we could talk remakes of this movie though. Like this movie is seen in a lot like Disturbia. We talk about like, so it, this is Disturbia, this right? Is. Like it's Disturbia from a lot of still decades before Disturbia even came out and like girl on the train, stuff like that. A lot of movies sort of take the tense plot elements of this movie. They obviously do it better in, in today's day, but um, depends on how you score it. Speaking of which uh, it's about time to get to scores, gentlemen. Who wants to go for let's guest of honor the jazz man? How about you? Since you are emotionally invested in this movie, uh, seemingly more so than I, at least, I'd love to hear your score on this. Okay, so what's our scoring system? What? What's, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, we do uh, one to ten. Okay. Um, ten, of course, being the best. One being home I was movies. Gonna, I was gonna give a movie. Uh, home movies. <laughs> atonement. One is atonement. Okay. Oh man, right. harsh. Woof. Um. I don't know. I I guess I'd give it a nine out of ten. It's Ooh. not like my Ooh. favorite film. I gave Spider Verse you know? a nine out of ten. That's <laughs> you're so generous. It's not my favorite film, but I really think like it was Hitchcock is one of those guys. Like Zach was saying, he has his own unique. He's one of those directors you can recognize their film right away if you don't know beforehand who the. It's like Quentin Tarantino. You see True. one of his films. True you know it's Quentin's work, right? Like Spielberg's very similar. You know, I mean, the best the best have it. And, and Hitchcock was one of the originals with that. And I think he, he pioneered so much, especially the way he framed a lot of his shots. And he definitely just like really stuck with his style. So for me, I, I just love, I mean, I kind of have a soft spot for older movies as well. I, I have to give away my bias here. So I, I'd say a nine out of 10. I mean, it's, just such a classic. Um, it's really like, I think he really pioneered the thriller genre. Um, and he, he did it with so much less than 
they have today. You know, he did it by showing so little. Um, there's so much you that's left to the imagination in his movies, and I think that's probably the best, the best part of his work. That and and just the way, like I said at the beginning, how he he dropped in, he he just sets you right into this perspective to where he really puts you into the character of Jeff, which I just I, he does such a great great job doing that. So I I would have to give it like a nine out of ten. It's not my most favorite movie of all time, but it's it's up there. It's it's probably in top ten. <laughs> Dang. Wow, okay. So. Uh, All right, Gary. Seems like you uh, have something to say about that. Yeah, Where we'll, we'll follow that one. Uh, Jazzman, on a separate note later on, I do. I want to know what your favorite movie is. Um, sure. uh, what gets 10 out of 10 for you, if that got 9 out of 10. You know, okay, so if we're all put together, all the elements. If we go filmmaking itself, scores very high, right? Pacing, it's going to score – it's going to – Score is low as it is slow for me. I appreciate the movie. I do. I, I love movies from that era. I, I love seeing how they were made and what has changed since then. You know, I was raised on like Elvis and John Wayne movies, right? Which aren't exactly the same, but kind of. Um, <laughs> as far as like the way they were shot and stuff like that. Now, Elvis movies are not Alfred Hitchcock movies. I get that. I'm more of a psycho fan if, mm, if we're talking Alfred great. Hitchcock. And I'm an okay fan of the birds as well. I'm gonna have to give this like a like a six. A six. I'm gonna give okay. it a, a high, like medium to high six. <laughs> above um, average, an above average movie. It's above average, but it was <laughs> nothing really like special to me. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. So that that's mine. All right. Well, I guess I have to choose between the above average or excellent. I I actually came in with very low expectations because of all the things that Gary said. Like, old <laughs> movies just don't really tend to impress me. Like, I'm a huge Psycho fan as well. Obviously, I think that is a fantastic film. Knowing that this is Hitchcock, knowing that he always puts his specific autographs on movies, I think movies as an art form are all about what the director can make you feel and sort of show you in like a pure artistic fashion. And I think that this movie absolutely does that. Like this movie puts you into Jeff's perspective, makes you feel the tense situations. Obviously it's outdated compared to movies of today. You're not going to get the invisible man out of this movie. Like it's not going to make you, you feel that amount of palm sweatiness, but I've got to give it an eight. It really did draw me in. And I was very impressed by the amount of things that I really took away and be like, wow, that was just brilliant on Hitchcock's behalf. Okay. So right, eight. Right. I don't know whether that puts our average somewhere in the the seven to eight range, I suppose. All right. All right. See, but I'm glad we had opposing views on this. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Because if it's Spider-Verse and everybody loves it, <laughs> it's like, cool. But no, this I think this is good. Which I think brings us uh, switching gears to this beautiful movie wheel that we have. Uh, so let's go ahead and spin that bad boy. Spin that wheel. And, uh, Zach, I'll let you announce this. You got this, because this, uh, this is, ooh, I'm excited. This is a, an amazing movie. I absolutely love it. It is Baby Driver. So it's a ooh. 2017 movie directed by Edgar Wright. 
If you haven't seen it, go watch it before next episode. It stars Ansel Elgort. He's basically a getaway driver um, seeking freedom from a life of crime. It, it's fantastic. The score, I mean, oh. I, Jazzman, if you haven't seen this movie, absolutely watch it. it yeah. I'm very excited to talk about this one next week. That about wraps us up for Cinema Sommelier. I am Gary T. Moore. And I am Zachary Wachaleski. And I'm Brian the Jazzman Morgan. So grab your giant bag full of Kevin Spacey DVDs and your warm bottle of milk <laughs> and your iPod nanos and drive on in to see us next time to watch the baby driver. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs>